This is 15 Minute Fundamentals, where we interview core contributors within crypto and gain insights into their day-to-day -day operations. In this episode, I'm joined by Nick Cannon from Gauntlet, a financial modeling platform that uses battle-tested techniques from the algorithmic trading industry to inform on-chain protocol management. In this episode, we cover the basics of Gauntlet, the core problem that Gauntlet has set out to solve, their core products and how they work under the hood, what Gauntlet's work with different protocols and DAOs looks like in practice, current growth drivers and challenges, plans for the future, and more. Hello, Nick. Welcome to 15 Minute Fundamentals. It's great to have you on. Good to be here. Today, we're going to be speaking about the basics of Gauntlet. And before we dive into the details behind that, could you just give us a quick introduction for anyone not yet familiar? Yeah, the quick intro is Gauntlet builds financial solutions to help crypto and DeFi protocols optimize marketplaces. We combine statistical and quant modeling techniques used in TradFi, really, uh, to help mitigate risk, calibrate incentives, and optimize markets for DAOs and protocols sort of across various chains. Now, diving into why there's a need for optimization, can you speak a bit about the core problem that Gauntlet solves? So how you describe your purpose? I guess the mission statement is probably a good way to start to drive understanding and participation in the financial systems of the future. A bit lofty, right? But composability of these permissionless blockchains that we're all sort of working in, building on really unlocks a ton of innovation. But with that comes novel risks and optimization problems that really aren't seen elsewhere. You know, we are porting over a lot of these modeling techniques from predecessors and a lot of academic research, some of which we, we definitely write, but do problems and, and do things to solve for spring up every day, as you can imagine, and anybody following this space knows. And we're hoping to crack that and, and make sure people understand how to build in this space safely and make sure it grows. Definitely. What would you say the main pain points were that crypto projects mainly faced before you came in? So what was that demand that you saw that you came to fill? Yeah, the, the demand hasn't stopped that we came to fill. So that's maybe a good sign that we're on to something. But you know, everyone is launching financial service products for the most part, right? This is well before a lot of NFT and gaming and DeFi was sort of that initial killer use case. And people would launch protocols with governable or invariable parameters. But not an idea of how to set them. Our, our counterparts largely, or you know, the DAOs and the protocols that we service are technical, of course, they're engineers, but they're software engineers rather than coming from a finance or quant background usually. So what you see is a lot of these parameters sit on chain and there's open governance and DAOs and things like that, but they're static risk parameters or a lot of the modeling done is in absolute isolation, which is not good overall when you need to think about the, the system as a whole. A lot of governance is extremely reactive. Uh, a market event happens or they see something on chain or exploit you know, occurs and then something happens rather than proactively. A lot of the reporting is a bit qualitative, whereas you, you need the rigor. The number's there. This is the benefit of crypto, right? You have this whole market picture and as long as you can ingest the data and model it correctly, you can get an output that is, is pretty close to the truth. If we think about your core product and service without going to too much detail we'll do that in a bit how would you describe it in a nutshell the flagship solution is market risk management most known for being provided for DAOs like Aave and compound three main components sort of go into that is the research arm the simulation and the modeling and then the monitoring and the sort of the managing risk which is primarily delivered or like the delivery mechanism is through governance and, and through communities. Okay. And in practice, what are the different ways that you help these DAOs and protocols? It really depends on where the DAO and the protocol team are sitting on the, this, like what I call like a decentralization spectrum, right? Is it a core team and a multi-sig or is it at the Uniswap Aave level where every sort of decision goes through open governance and executable payloads? Easier to explain actually when it's out in the open. Gauntlet provides risk dashboards that are publicly viewable, not just for like stakeholders and investors, I guess, competitor 
protocols as well to see and get visibility into market risk at any given time. What's the value at risk? What are the liquidations at risk? What is the utilization of each asset? Things like that. Listing frameworks, risk profiles, because the stakeholders and the risk appetite of everyone in crypto and DeFi changes, you know, minute to minute, but definitely quarter over quarter. And how we model and simulate and optimize the protocol depends on, of course, the community preference. As mentioned, static risk parameters are definitely not good in, in a market as dynamic as this. So we're dynamically optimizing these by running off-chain simulations and then pushing through governance payloads, proactive governance, system-wide modeling, things like that. All of this sort of is also encapsulated in just trying to be a good community ambassador, right? As these core teams start to decentralize and these DAOs are sort of headless orgs who can help steward a little bit through, you know, one of the very nuanced technical topics that for the most part, people don't want to focus on. Risk management, if done correctly, can be a little bit boring, right? If we do our job correctly, nothing blows up and that's a good thing. Uh, we just want to make sure everyone understands the, the risks that are potentially posed to the protocol and, and how to mitigate them. Got it. And you mentioned that much depends on like what the community preference is on how you work with these DAOs and protocols. So I'd be very interested in hearing who the initiative comes from to work with you or start optimizing these parameters. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's key stakeholders or sub DAOs that already exist. Sometimes we are active in a community pro bono or through governance previously. In Compound and Aave's case, we did market risk assessments, uh, which are still sort of on our website. Basically, a, you know, a 30-page PDF where we stress tested the protocol under various scenarios and helped in form for Aave, like the V1 to V2 migration. And that was as they transitioned to a DAO, we transitioned sort of with them and moved along that spectrum. And I think it could be interesting to go through like a case example of how you work with, for example, Aave on an ongoing basis if you're able to share the details on that. Yeah, I mean, practically, I guess we could just talk about USDC over the past week. As you know, USDC and concerns of dropping from par or you know, $1 equivalents was raised in uh, exposure to SVB and sort of trad by banks. Gauntlet's sort of on top of that, not just because the simulations are always running in the background hundreds of thousands a week, but these exploits or potential exploits, if actors are looking to get additional exposure or increase the value at risk through leverage or recursive borrowing, we need to be able to prevent that. So we're in touch with Guardians, which is sort of a fast track path for governance to make sure like, hey, these are your options and these are the trade-offs. If USDC returns to par at $1, you don't necessarily want to lock in the losses at $0.88, cents, right? These are losses you're locking into the protocol. Now, if you think it's going to zero, then you should take as much money as you can get. And our job there is to basically do some quantitative analysis, talk with Guardian members as soon as possible, inform them and help them make a decision for you know, the best interests of the protocol as they understand them. Fortunately, USDC did move back to a dollar. In the interim, markets on Avalanche V3 were frozen because E-Mode, which correlates stablecoins, USDC, DAI, and USDT actually started to break and that caused additional risk to the protocol. A few hundred thousand of insolvencies were realized, but a lot more were mitigated. And then from there, in, in the aftermath, sort of during this past week, we were able to unwind that, unfreeze those you know, markets and get back to business as usual. Got it. That's fascinating. And I know that you also provide support for projects in balancing the revenues and expenses. So what kind of work do you do on that front? And I'm, of course, asking from the lens of Token Terminal as we maintain real-time financial statements for a lot of these DAOs. And I'm very keen on hearing your view into whether you're seeing projects think more actively and strategically about the long-term sustainability of their business. I certainly hope so. A good compliment and like, to be honest, just like an outcrop of our learnings of doing so much risk management the past couple of years is how do you continue to make sure you have a sustainable business model? And we built ERA, 
a protocol for on-chain treasury management in a risk-aware fashion, primarily for money markets. So if you have all these liabilities for, say, Aave or Compound or something, and you have your safety module, your insurance backstop, that is highly correlated because it's in the native governance token of Aave and Comp, that goes down when the market goes down, and you need to decorrelate that. And how can you do that transparently in open on-chain? Now, like where that ties in with something like Token Terminal is super interesting because Gauntlet's sort of separating ourselves from that as much as possible. The client protocol, so there's different teams or different sub-DAOs that have sort of a, a growth objective, uh, separate gauntlets like risk objective or risk management objective that would help solve for the objective function of, hey, what are the trade-offs we want to make of making sure we capture market share short-term or growth long-term or minimize risk short-term? You plug that objective function into ERA and then Vault Guardians, which become parameter submitters, effectively balance that book, uh, those reserves to make sure the exposure the protocol wants dynamically is, is optimized. So you need token terminal. We're not doing the financial reporting. And, and ideally, the more actors in this system, the better, and they'll be rewarded for doing so. Then let's dive into some more technical detail of how you run these simulations and help DAOs. So can you walk us through what agent-based simulation is and how Gauntlet works under the hood? Yeah, for ABS, best applied to risk management or market risk management. So what we do is we replicate observed market conditions and user interactions, users being liquidators, suppliers, borrowers, with the test protocol under basically realistic scenarios and simulations. We run this, of course, off-chain. Running it on-chain would be extremely expensive. It's expensive in Google Cloud and AWS. You can imagine what it would be like running on even a, even an L2 for that matter. And then to quantify like the risk and the efficiency, the models estimate, uh, the percentage of available lending capacity utilized. You can see this in our risk dashboard uh, labeled as borrow usage. And what this is tracking is the expected liquidations and insolvencies in a severe market chart. Think like Black Thursday, everything's going down, the world's sort of ending. How do we compare this in different sets of trial parameters? From there, we search the range of the outputs to solve for the objectives of the protocol. Most protocols, and especially the blue trips, are like sort of targeting a moderate risk portfolio or exposure, right? They don't want too much value at risk. They want to make sure insolvencies are pretty low if they do occur and they have plenty of buffer, you know, with the safety module backstop to cover this. As you can sort of tell, it's probably it's all about trade-offs here. For money markets, this is the reward or sort of, you know, the carrot or benefit is better capital efficiency. Uh, you lower collateral requirements, more people want to use this because there's better capital efficiency for borrowers. The trade-off to that, of course, is value at risk. You're increasing that. If you improve capital efficiency, you're adding value at risk to the protocol. And this is why the Monte Carlo simulations are so important. We're taking the 95th percentile of net insolvencies and then sort of stack ranking them. And that's what we also display sort of publicly on the risk dashboard. The reason this is so hard is we can't rank sim outputs objectively. We can sort of see them, but it's tough to know which way to tune the parameters to get them better? Like, how do you get value at risk lower? Or how do you increase capital efficiency? You can see the output, but you don't know what to tweak, you know, what knob to tweak on the input. This is sort of a, a very commonly known black box problem in machine learning or AI sort of across the board from self-driving cars and elsewhere. If there was only, say, two or three parameters in a protocol to tune and two or three assets, maybe this would be easy enough to run enough simulations to get sort of the full map of performance. And then we could have directionally understand what to do. But we also, one, that's not the case. And two, we don't want to make too many market assumptions. It's just 
the markets are moving too quickly, even in, you know, definitely today or, or you know, in, in weeks, but even in, in slow times for crypto, the market behavior is just too volatile to be able to, to make those sort of assumptions. And that's why you can't use something like gradient descent. Gradient descent just meaning you're trying to predict the error rate between what you're predicting and the actual outcome. So instead, we use something called covariance matrix adaptation evolution strategy. What you're doing there is you're sampling a cloud of parameter values. So like if you, if you imagine a plot X and Y axis and you have this cloud and all these parameter outputs are sort of landing roughly in a cluster. Ideally, you're, you're targeting the top performing points and seeing where they land. Then you can rank them from there. And then you iterate on that shape of the cloud, not just the point. And, and you follow that sample towards the objective function that you're, you're trying to solve for. What you're really doing there, and you're a little bit backing into gradient descent, but you're, what you're primarily doing is limiting the market market-based assumptions that you're taking into account. And from there, those are the outputs that you'll see in sort of our governance payloads for operating compound and elsewhere. Very interesting. Thank you for that technical breakdown. And you mentioned that these methods are commonly used in TradFi and then also something like self-driving cars outside of crypto. Um, are there any major differences that you need to kind of account for when applying these methods to the crypto space? I think there's always some differences. I mean, a lot of this, you know, these techniques being used from TradFi and a lot of the team coming from high-frequency trading use these models similarly. What, you know, Tarun and like a lot of people have most experience will say is in crypto, you have this amazing opportunity to have this full market map, like all of the data is there. And this is why we invest so heavily on the platform side. The risk there is if you take too much data in or garbage in, garbage out, uh, you can't just blindly throw machine learning at this optimization problem. Everything, what's important here is the tail risk. And, and this is sort of the same for self-driving cars, right? If you get it 99.5% of the time right and you don't hit a pedestrian, that's not good enough. Because if you hit pedestrians, you know, one in 200 times, that's really, really bad. Same for if we get it right, you know, 199 out of 200 times for Aave, but then we blow up the protocol, you know, one in 200 times, that that's not going to be a good business model for us. Definitely some differences, moving parts, but I think this is what sort of keeps the team and the research arm sort of so motivated to, to solve these things. Got it. And continuing on the market discussion, how would you describe the market that you as Gauntlet right now are tackling and your position within it? Because in the beginning, you mentioned that the demand hasn't gone anywhere. There's lots of demand and need for this. Are you currently like the only player? Is this a blue ocean for you coming into crypto? Or how do you view the market right now? Yeah, but like a year and a half ago, it definitely was a blue ocean, right? We instantiated what people have termed beat a doubt, not the core teams paying us, but the treasuries. And this is you know sort of how we make money. You can see our payment streams from uh, these protocols on chain directly into our wallet. And you can sort of see some of our finances at least of that. But we've also helped validate that market. And we can't particularly solve or service all of these protocols across the board. A lot of them have unique needs. Some of them we don't want to work with. There's definitely an adverse selection problem a little bit where the protocols that want to work with us, we might not want to work with. Just because we've all been in crypto a while, you can get to market pretty quickly. And if you can get some brand halo of brand like ours or big name investors and get a liquid token, that's not great for anybody. So we try to avoid those as much as possible. But it's good to see competition. I think it's good to help at least the conversation spread and be, you know, awareness is there now of, of risk management is a need. A year and a half, two years ago, everyone understood that you needed smart contract audits, right? And you couldn't go to market without the stamp of quant stamp or someone else. Now, if you don't have risk management or market risk management, it's effectively table stakes and sort of put you on your back foot a little bit for a lot of the institutions in, in Wales that are putting considerable size into these protocols. For sure. And kind of related to the larger market opportunity here, what do you see as the bull case for Gauntlet as 
as a business? Maybe due to the help of a lot of people, not myself on, on the team coming from TradFi, understanding that there is institutional interest, right? You know, I don't think this is a product thesis just yet, but in, in my mind, we've started to talk to and get that inbound from those institutions who might be coming at some point in the future. And them understanding at least the nomenclature of risk management is, is pretty key to getting into DeFi and being able to dip their toes and not knowing that isn't going anywhere. Now, how can we help that expand uh, considerably is sort of a question we're, we're still stru- or struggling with or thinking about, and, and maybe this is not the time or quarter to do it. But I think what we've come to terms with is you don't need wrappers on banks either. This is a lot of what like tech did in so the early knots, Plaid and Stripe is effectively just an API on, on a bank. But what does it look like when there's internet native organizations that don't need to sort of connect to a geography or local region, or they don't need a, a fiat off ramp, and they can function within themselves? How do you estimate that, Tam? I'm really not sure. I'm pretty sure it's gigantic, and we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Yes, for sure. It's hard to quantify the actual market potential, but I agree with you that this new era of internet native truly global businesses will become something pretty gigantic. So, And you mentioned a while back that part of your revenue streams are visible on chain, but can you just kind of lay out your full business model so we understand how you make money? Yeah, directly from DAOs or, or core teams. So the existing you know, AFI contract is roughly $2 million, a, a blend of stables and native governance token. Something pretty important to us and like something I built out into our pricing and service agreement was just to have skin in the game. When we were making these parameter recommendations and a lot of governance changes to billions of dollars in TVL or what people have stakes in, they want to make sure, and even without the ability to follow it completely day over day or as closely as we do, that like, hey, is Gauntlet doing something that's in the interest of us? And you can be pretty sure that we are, given we are stakeholders in these communities and, and now voters, and you know we keep exposure to a lot of the projects that we work with for that reason. So that's pretty important to us. Got it. What would you say are the main drivers or challenges currently related to your growth and building on that as your core focus from a day to day? perspective? It's really tough to figure out how to best support protocols and ecosystems with regard to financial modeling as they evolve or as they transition from core teams to DAOs or as they go to new deployments. There's no, I mean, for better or worse, there's no standard or process or framework. Um, There's a lot of existing attempts at that, which are sort of exciting, faster pass for governance, sub DAOs, and like sort of professional services that complement ours. We don't want to control or do everything within a DAO for sure. And while we had like no exposure to like Terra or FTX, those failures really hurt the market we're building in. And we want to make sure that these newer ecosystems think better about contagion risk and like how easy the switching costs of of capital are. If we go to a new chain and we find a good project there that we know we can drive value to and everything blows up around them, that's not good for us or them. So how can we zoom out and and think about the L1s and L2s uh, on a market risk level is is something I want to think about this year. Makes sense. Now, what does the team building gauntlet look like? I, I know if you look at your website, there are quite a few people and this isn't the most simple product that you're offering to the market. So you want to do things right. So any context to what team members you have, their prior experience, et cetera. I classify it as PhDs to poker players. Myself being the poker player uh, that played a decade and change on the other side is the PhDs, math, stats, physics, all sort of across the board, a lot of industry experience in HFT and any sort of quant finance uh, in and across the board. A good clip have worked in tech, uh, but you know, a lot of the quants have not, which is sort of interesting 
interesting when you think about trying to build a tech product and solution from a background of people that built models that threw them out pretty quickly if they didn't work. So squaring that circle has been extremely exciting, but I think has unlocked a lot of innovation and in sort of the, the research that still drives product and feature development. When I joined two years ago now, I was the second hire on the business side out of, you know, 18 or 19 people. I think it, we're still holding that ratio, you know, a, a little bit less now, but still so just clearly shows the focus on getting the galaxy brains to, to solve sort of the, the toughest problems uh, that we can. I think that's a good approach. Sounds awesome. Poker players, the PhDs. Uh, final question just for this interview is what's next for gauntlet is there anything to share from your mid to long-term roadmap new product releases etc you know we've seen as the market's consolidated that forks are kind of dead or direct forks at least devs know you have to compete on different dimensions the market's consolidating sort of across the board the winners you know the blue chips are going vertical ave launching go stablecoin synthetics with perps curve with the stablecoin as well we think this is a pretty good opportunity for us and to sort of sit back and realize or, or think about how we can better drive value to the new spring you know like if this is winter now what blooms in spring and how can we make sure you know that the foundation or the soil is rich to do so historically we've seen roughly 35 to 40 percent of inbounds for us have been around mechanism design hey gauntlet can you solve this very niche problem that we have in our new design because we want to do xyz not a great way to build a product or solution or you know to be honest drive impact to these protocols long term but it's also how we came across risk management as you know, the product and solution as it exists today. We did this for Ave and Compound two and three years ago, and it's turned out okay for them. Most of our research is not converted into products yet, uh, but we want to find a way to fast track this, connecting the academic research arm, primarily led by Tarun. I think he wrote 15 or so papers in the past year and change. And then like the platform, uh, which is a big team ingesting not only DEX and smart contract data, but centralized data just to inform all these models, not just risk management, but incentives and things like that. So as of you know two weeks ago, we've kicked off with the Uniswap Foundation, who has earmarked 35% of their 70 million or so allocation to incentives R&D. The DAO has a multi-billion dollar treasury. The V3 license is expiring on April 1st. We've been tasked to develop a quantitative framework for the incentive program, followed by analyzing trader and LP elasticity, which basically just means how do traders and LPs react to different incentives, and then steward the community in deciding a go, no-go decision on this incentive program. Definitely not the decision we want to make. You have a multi-billion dollar treasury to figure out how are you going to gain more market share, solidify existing market share, and think about that. But hopefully, at the minimum, we can provide that framework to help inform that decision and guide that discussion. So in, I believe, a couple of weeks, we'll deliver the first deliverable of this framework and then roll you know, the subsequent things and analysis out after that. And uh, excited to see a, a good conversation in the forums. So lots of interesting stuff upcoming. Very cool to follow your progress, see how everything develops. And I hope that we can do this again once you've turned some more research into products. This was a great overview of Gauntlet. Thank you so much, Nick. Thanks for the time. Love the product. We need token terminals of the world. We're, we're not as good at front end just yet. So please keep doing what you're doing.